everyone out there. How's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast, and I do sincerely appreciate each and every one of you that are coming by and giving this a listen, doing whatever it is that you're doing whenever this is playing, whether you're driving, you're at work, you're on the toilet, doing whatever it is people do on the toilet. I don't know, but you're here, and that's the point, so I really appreciate that. Um, if you haven't done so already, as you know, I do like to get the annoying, stupid plugs out of the way so that you'll actually follow the podcast and help it grow and yada, 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 but you know, I have to do it. So follow, download episodes of ScreenSpeak on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts at, that's where you'll find it. There is an Instagram for it. Um, I, I can tell you right now, it's not the most fleshed out Instagram account. I'm not great with Instagram, but I try. So if you want to see me do really weird movie related posts or just kind of shitty attempts at social media, you can check out the Instagram uh, for ScreenSpeak. The handle is at ScreenSpeak Podcast. So it's pretty easy to find. You can look that up there. And that's it for all the plugs. So please do one or all of those things and uh, you'll be in my good graces if that matters to you at all. Okay, so I got more guests. That's right. I got more guests for the podcast and I'm very excited um, in particular because I got two people on for for this episode and, and I've never had two people before. So this could be a disaster. could be great. Um, could be... I think I already said a disaster. Why am I leaning in on that? I don't know. I don't think it will be. It's going to um, be a disaster. Okay. I guess Adam thinks it's going to be a disaster, but, but here we go. So we got Adam wall. Uh, and am I allowed to say your girlfriend that, that you guys have a label, right? I can say yes. This. Yes. Yeah. It is my girlfriend. <laughs> my friend that is a woman. Yeah. All right. So we have Adam wall and, and his girlfriend, Sophia Han. Am I saying that? Am I saying your yes, last name? Correctly? You got it. Yeah. You did. Way to go. Yes. Okay. Like solo. You, well, I was going to say Han from Fast and Furious. That's, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've never seen Fast and Furious. That's probably for the best, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the first one's okay. And then after <laughs> that, it's like, it's, uh, it becomes a lot more than, than stealing DVD players. Um, okay. So welcome both of you. I really appreciate you both being here. Um, Thanks, and, so, and, and Sophia, I'm just going to single you out here for a second. Cause again, I don't really know you, but I know Adam. And yes. he said that you wanted to do this, or at least he said that you were interested. So can you oh, tell me I, about that? Yes. No, I've been so excited to do this for like a really long time because Adam did Pig, like one of your first episodes. Yeah. And I listened yeah. to it and I was like, wow, this is, this conversation's really well-rounded. You guys touched on a lot of really interesting points. Great Nicolas Cage dialogue, which Absolutely. is always, like, always a plus. And I was like, <laughs> I've got to be on this. I'm a big podcast nut. So I what are to- some of the ones you listen to? Oh man. Um, so as lame and basic as it is, I listen to the daily, but from the New York times every morning. Okay. Um, but other than that, if you are interested in history or like bad people in history behind the bastards is probably one of my favorite podcasts. Mm. Uh, who, yeah. who, who runs that? iHeartRadio is the, okay. like, the company overlord, but then Robert Evans is the host company so. overlord that's a fun way of looking <laughs> at it <laughs> yeah podcast network is probably the better term but yeah robert evans is a war reporter and he talks about it no that's uh, that's actually really interesting and i and i know just on the subject of uh history podcasts i feel like anybody or most anybody that i talk to that likes podcasts or, or listens to them frequently i feel like they always have like at least one history one that they like to listen to i think oh, there's absolutely. a lot of history people out there i just don't really I don't really realize it so much. Exactly. I don't know. Adam. Jordan. <laughs> uh, 
I think I've probably, I mean, maybe I asked you on the earlier episode, but it's, it's only fair that I ask you, what are some podcasts that you listen to? Oh, geez. I don't, I don't listen to too many, honestly. I know there's one on the, on the point of a history podcast. If you have not listened Uh to hardcore history and you're listening to this right now, don't stop listening to this podcast, (laughs) but add a hardcore history (laughs) podcast next to your queue. Cause it is the coolest, it's the coolest podcast out there. I think way better than what Sophia recommended for sure. I would say. That's true. Is it a one point, one point I want to add as well <laughs> is Jordan. I feel like you've been getting, a, you've been getting a lot of practice with these podcasts lately. You're really killing it with the intro game now. That intro was flawless. I was, he's, I was he's flawless away. with it, dude. Yeah. He knows what he's sit doing. Back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. I, I try not to like keep it like you know like scripted like i i kind of have like little iterations that i do with it every time but i do i can definitely say that yeah since i've kind of picked up on what kind of feels right and natural i'm just like just kind of stick with a base and then just kind of evolve it from there but it doesn't like if it's the same every time then it kind of like mm, it's a little you know i don't want it to sound like i'm on uh what is it npr or something we're just like hello you're listening to <laughs> some lame thing at four in the morning um do you know what episode this is? What episode is this? This is number 24. Damn. Dude. Oh, number 24. Them out. Yeah, twice oh, a week. Yeah, every every Sunday and every or I don't know why I said Sunday first. Every Friday and every Sunday there are new episodes. And I have been consistent with that since the podcast launched uh launched on August 13th of 2021. I don't know why I'm being that specific. Do you feel do you feel like doing two a week has been enough for you? Like, do you feel overwhelmed mm, by that sometimes? No, or is it no. is it a good number? No, it's good. I mean, it, I I honestly could probably do more if I had more time. Um, yeah. But no, like it's it's actually kind of really interesting um, because obviously like with guests, it's, you know, you can kind of be a bit more comfortable with like, you know, not always relying on your own voice. You can kind of count on the other person to pick up the conversation. But mm-hmm. the solo ones are an interesting challenge to do because you don't I don't really think a lot of people stop and think about it, but it actually takes a without sounding arrogant, it takes a certain type of skill set to be able to fill like 45 minutes, an hour on your own without it sounding like you're just kind of ranting all over the place or just kind of filling in crap for the sake of filling dead air. Um, I think there's probably been a few episodes where I've filled in some shit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but I like the challenge of it. And I, I think I have a natural tendency to be able to do it fairly well and have it not come across as being again, just kind of shitty and unprepared. So yeah, dude. Um, ho- hopefully that comes across on there anyway, but I mean, uh, it's probably a lot of just practice too. Like I'm sure as you keep doing it, you'll just get better at it. Like, like, like you have with the intro, of course, you know, so. yeah, and the, one of the best things that I love actually about listening to podcasts. And I don't know again, if Sophia or Adam, you guys feel like this, but I, I love the really good ones, like the people that are really good at it. You can tell that they have like conversation down as like an art form. I mean, like they know how to like weave conversations. They, they don't interrupt too much, but they, they have a healthy back and forth. And as a person that would like to pride himself on, I would like to say being a good conversationalist with people. I don't think I'm just a freaking talkaholic unless it's, of course, just me. And then I have no choice. I have to do it. Um, but I He's like, popular. well, I, I like the, I like the practice that it gives you to actually just work up how good your social skills are. That's, that's, I guess what I'd like to say. Cause I think there's a lot of people that honestly either talk too much or they talk too little. They don't really have a good balance. So mm-hmm. do you have any podcasters that are kind of your 
role models or people you've tried to emulate a little bit as you've been running Ooh. your podcast and honing your skills? That's an interesting question. Um, I'd say, I, I mean, it's like a yes and no thing. I think I started getting into podcast listening to a lot of stand-up comedians. Um, they have a lot of ones like Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. I love his. Um, I love Joe Rogan as well. I mean, I know he's like kind of the number one for a lot of the uh, stuff, but he's pretty great. Sophia um, loves Joe Rogan. I like uh, Mark Maron's got a good podcast that he's ran for a long time. The What the Fuck podcast. Uh, Mark Maron's is really good. He has really interesting guests on. I listened. Yeah. I listened to one the other day about a. It was a Joe Biden son. Yeah, so I listened to the Hunter getting, Biden episode. Yeah, yeah, that one was weird because it's like it's so weird getting his take on things because he is just like the son of a president who is also like a a crack fiend. Um, like all this shit. It's very yeah. interesting. Hunter yeah. Biden. Um, I'm glad he's off the pipe. I guess, but uh, yeah, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about Hunter Biden to really talk about that. <laughs> um. No, but but I guess to, to kind of go back to the podcast question of like ones I listen to, I don't know if there's like any one in particular that's like the goat for me for like mm-hmm. the one I like really look up to. Um, but I definitely have like consistent ones like the ones I mentioned and there's some others too. Um, and again, I feel like they mostly kind of they're more for like entertainment sake. I don't really think I listen to an awful lot of serious ones. Um, but that said, the ones I do listen to consistently I feel like there's pieces of them that I try to kind of pick apart where I'm like, I think they do this right. And I kind of like what they're doing here. But at the same time, it's important for me to be me. And so I don't really want to draw honestly too much on what other people are doing. I just kind of more focus on the format and the structure that they have that makes their stuff be organized. Cause I don't want to, again, be somebody that's hosting a podcast. That's just kind of rambling and having it just be like some joke. It's like, no, I actually put a lot of thought into this. So. Yeah. I think that's important. And it's clear by the episodes that I've listened to that you're really, you're, you've really done that. So. Props well, to you. I appreciate it. I, I don't like to be like, Oh, like, thanks me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I I'll take a compliment anytime I can get it. So why not? Um, okay. So are you, are you both ready to talk about this crazy movie? Absolutely. I've, I don't, Adam told you, but I've been prepping. <laughs> I've been listening okay. to my shining podcasts. I am ready now. Oh, okay. Well, I got to ask about that. You, you listen to okay. a, now are you listening to a podcast that's all about the shining or are you listening to episodes that talk about it? So there was two. <laughs> One was doing like a, a comparison between the book and the movie. And then the other one was a little bit more behind the scenes talking about more of the making and, you know, how did, how was Stephen King reached out to by Stanley Kubrick? How did Jack Nicholson get in the mindset for whatever scene it may be, different things like that. So That's kind of fantastic. trying to get both perspectives. Thank you. <laughs> and had to come prepared. Trying no, to get both I'm, I'm so glad you brought up some of those because I have in my notes over here on my, on my second monitor, um, I got some stuff about the behind the scenes that I found very interesting. And I, I, I think they're true as far as I know. Yeah. Um, because one thing I'll say about this movie, The Shining, and I'll get into like the synopsis and, and all that stuff, like I typically do in episodes on the movies, but the Shining's it's it's definitely like one of those like legendary movies. It's it's considered a classic by pretty much anybody that knows halfway anything about movies. And it's not like just a horror movie classic. It's a classic, classic movie. Um, and that said, there's just like I feel like a lot more lore around the movie because Stanley Kubrick is kind of a mythic filmmaker. He's like a weird recluse for a lot of his career and, you know, very 
very strange man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's a genius, but I think he's a, he's a pretty, pretty out there dude. Um, but, but anywho, Adam, yes. you're being a little quiet there, big guy. What's going on? <laughs> I'm here, man. I'm listening. I'm ready. Are you, are you? Oh yeah, dude. I, this was, this was the shining. This was my first time seeing it actually. So saying it's a classic makes me feel bad, like the classic of classics, and I've never seen this movie before. Well, don't feel bad. Like I, I knew all the like, (laughs) like there's the here's Johnny thing. Yeah. You know, there's like some of the classics in there. Yeah. But I didn't really know about any of that before watching this movie, or I just all I knew about it was that it was like you know, like you're in a cabin and they go insane or something like that. Right. Honestly, like. I was expecting it to be kind of boring because it's like, where, where can you really go with this? But they, they honestly, they, they kind of blew me. I wouldn't say blown me away is the right word for it, but they kind of surprised me for sure of like where this movie actually went and what actually happened. It was kind of, it was kind of nuts. I don't know. Yeah, this was my third or fourth time seeing this. So watching him watch the movie for the first time and being able to kind of anticipate the super weird sections or even <laughs> just the more stereotypical horror parts I loved <laughs> it was because even seeing it for the third or fourth time I'm seeing different things that I wouldn't I probably didn't recognize or maybe didn't understand to the fullest extent when I watched it in high school or at the beginning of college or anything like that so this is this is interesting because Adam's a, a first timer or you know we call him a cherry popper or whatever that is for virgin, virgin. movie virgin. you're a virgin right <laughs> okay well, I don't know why I'm making that strange but Adam seen it one time Sophia you've seen it three or four times you said yep and I'm the oldest one here, and I don't really want to admit how many times I've seen it, but I've seen it a lot. Okay. Um, so this will be interesting because we have three different perspectives on kind of the movie and whatnot. So I, I think that's going to be really great. Um, what you just touched on the thing, Sophia? I was got, what were you just talking about? I wanted to wanted to go back to that quick for a second. Um, I was saying that each time that I've watched it, I've seen different things, yes. either visually <laughs> or even now picking up on different themes. Um, Mm -hmm. that I 100% didn't catch when I saw it originally. That's what I was going to comment on is that this is apart from it being a legendary movie and it has a lot of great stories and and uh, conspiracy theories and whatnot behind it. Mm -hmm. um, This is absolutely a movie that merits a repeat watch. Like I I challenge somebody to just watch The Shining once and just be like, yeah, I got it all. Like you didn't. mm, (laughs) I, I don't think so. Um, I will say there were a lot of points in this movie I was very confused and I had no idea what was going on. That's intentional. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I sort of understand that that was intentional, but it was also kind of like, come on, Stanley, give me something here. What is this supposed to mean? How am I supposed to make anything out of this? So I guess you're right. I have to go back and watch it again, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack in this movie, which we're going to get into what some of those things are, but you can rewatch this movie like just to pick up on some of those like weird like mind games that the movie's playing with you because it'll make more sense when you rewatch it a couple of times because you can kind of see different angles of the movie where it's like okay like this is influencing this and that and I kind of see what the writer's going for for this and and blah 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 but I know that even like hardcore film enthusiasts watch this movie as just like a film school thing because it's so brilliantly shot Um, there is incredible camera work in this movie and even if you don't have much of an appreciation for that it's hard not to watch like the, the shot I always go to in this movie is the tracking shot with Danny and his bicycle and yes, it's just going cam. there's the, yeah the steady cam and there's no cuts and I if I'm not mistaken if my if my movie history is serving me right they invented a special camera rig just for this movie 
to be able to pull that off. And then in, in turn, I think uh, Martin Scorsese ended up picking it up for some of his movies like Goodfellas. And it's, it's a very fascinating look when you look at the film history of it all. Yeah. I remember hearing on one of the podcasts about that, that I think the rig was attached to their chest, but you could lower it down. So the person was just walking behind Danny. And then the same thing during the maze that they were just following them and just running behind them, which brilliant. One of the greatest, Adam, I got to get your perspective on this, especially since you were talking about, I don't get it. Um, How tripped out were you in the scene where Jack Torrance, Jack Nicholson is kind of leaning over that model of the hedge maze and he's looking down at it. And then it just slowly starts to pan in and you see Wendy and, and little Danny just walking there, but it's like, it's a model, but how's he seeing them? Like, oh god yeah that was that was cool <laughs> oh i remember that part now i forgot about that yeah there was it's some... a little moment it's not huge but it's it's weird it's it is very, very honestly, weird. okay honestly like to go back a little bit to go back to the steady cam thing like first time watching this movie one thing i really did notice was the steady cam was very effectively used in those scenes because it just added so much drama to it like i don't know how they did but the fact that it wasn't cutting and then at that every single time you saw him turn and then it would be the next hallway or the next part of the maze just add so much intensity to it because you're like oh my gosh he's gonna turn this corner and there's gonna be like 10 dead people around this corner and he's gonna die and like every single time he did that turn and there's always the ear the super eerie music in the background you're like geez dude i hate that i like you hate it but you also love it at the same time i don't know it was a very it was one of the more noticeable like this is because at some points of the movie, Sophia was commenting on different camera work that was used just so I could get a better understanding of what was going on. And the the bike, the kid bike riding thing was the most obvious one, really. But it was used so effectively, I thought, and adding like suspense and thrill to the movie. But, and what I what I love about that shot um, in particular, too, is that you, you commented on the score, which it is brilliantly used throughout the movie, but it's very selective because in that scene in particular, there ain't shit there. There's just his tricycle making that awful loud echo that is reverberating off the wood floor around the huge um you know the huge expanse of space that they're shooting in which is also one of the greatest uh benefits about a movie that actually takes the time to shoot on location like in an actual place because you can't really fake that like (laughs) and again i don't know if everybody appreciates that but um it sure makes it a bit more scary when you don't hear anything (laughs) and like you said just anything could happen from around the corner Um, Okay, so I got to read the synopsis here of the movie, and then we'll keep going. Um, As if nobody's actually seen The Shining, but I mean, shit, it came out. I never saw it. Okay, well, Adam, yes, that's true. You know, I got, I have to, I have to realize, you know, this movie, it came out May 23rd, 1980, to be exact. I mean, I'm not a human calculator, but that seems like a while ago. (laughs) It's, It's been a minute, so... There probably are a bunch at of least 41 years ago, I would say. Is that really? Is that, yeah. is, does this check years. out? 10, 20. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Oh that's my not gosh. how I count. I don't like do it. <laughs> I usually count read the synopsis, right. Jordan. Read us the synopsis. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to read the synopsis. So here's the story of The Shining. So Jack Torrance, played by uh, the amazing Jack Nicholson, he becomes a winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado hoping to cure his writer's block, amongst probably a few other things. Uh, He settles in along with his wife, Wendy, played by Shelley Duvall, and his son, Danny, played by Danny Lloyd, 
um, who is plagued by psychic premonitions. And as Jack, uh, as Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, uh, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac hell-bent on terrorizing his family. I'd say that's pretty well said, as far as I can tell. Um, <clears throat> so the first thing I want to talk about, like for like the actual points I had for this uh, movie, I got to talk, we got to talk about Jack Nicholson. Like, it's like the first thing that comes up when I think about this movie. He, it's, his performance is absolutely incredible. And it is really, really, really hard for me to imagine this movie being cast with somebody else. Like, I, I'm sure it could probably work, but it wouldn't be the same movie. It'd just be a different movie. So, Adam, Sophia, tell me what you think about the great Jack Nicholson. So, watching it again this last time I had it was interesting to watch his progression as a character or kind of lack thereof because I felt like as soon as it started you knew that he was kind of a fucked up guy like he's not well and I just think back to the interview that he has with Mr. Ullman or whatever his name is and he is just creepy from the outset. Maybe that's just Doc Nicholson. And maybe that's just <laughs> me looking at the actor more than the character. But it seems like he's already on the path to creepy and not doing great things with his family from the beginning. Um, and it was actually interesting to hear about the book and how he, the character has more of that arc and starts as a really wholesome family oriented guy and then becomes the monster at the end, as opposed to making people uncomfortable from the outset. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that from from the beginning, you're kind I always I've come into the movie kind of a little wary of Jack Nicholson, which I think I think gives his character a lot of weight throughout the whole thing. So you know that things are gonna be bad and it was great to just like continue to watch things devolve from there. Um, but I can't say that you had as much character growth as you might have potentially had had the movie been written a different way that is a very interesting way to look at that adam i i honestly i i, I agree with what sophia says but i don't i don't necessarily think it was just the writing itself i think it's just who jack Nichol, nicholson is as an actor where he just like if you point the camera at him and he stares at you and he moves his eyebrow like at all then you're like this guy is gonna <laughs> like eat my inside basically like he's just He's just a creepy looking guy as a whole. And I think a lot of, a lot of his facial <laughs> expressions just come off as like, this man's going to kill me. And I like, I think it works great for when things start getting suspenseful, but I think Sophia's right too, where it's like, even when he's just talking with the dude, you're like, this guy's going to like fucking kill everyone. Like you could just, you could just tell he's like, not going to like, and I don't know if that makes the movie any worse or better, but it was something I know specifically like as with Jack Nicholson as an actor, he kind of makes it so that you're just uncomfortable with him from the get go, just because of who he is as a guy and who he kind of acts as really. I will say though, like him becoming like when he actually goes crazy and when he goes insane, like I don't think there is a better actor you could pick to have a person who is insane. Like you, 
he's a he's a nightmare man once he gets going and like he's 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 such a good actor at being just insane as a person and like, i think I a lot of people it. know that yeah. and <laughs> so that i think that is the big upside to jack Mason is he's just so good at being that guy with the axe that's gonna murder someone you know yeah so, I, because even if you yeah. had that character arc of they start more family oriented and more homey and everything and then become the axe murder it wouldn't feel as believable you know if you put in trying to think of other big stars from the 80s tom hanks i will never believe that tom hanks is going to come after me with an axe that just no, no. <laughs> but jack nickel yeah so it it i agree with what adam's saying is like you needed jack nicholson to be in that role yeah well and i and i think jack nicholson is, he's proven throughout his career that he i mean one the guy has immense range he he absolutely does but i think he has an unpredictability about him um and i think that's probably something that i would assume stanley kubrick probably picked up on when they're casting him and even from the get-go of the movie i mean you have the great opening tracking shot in the mountains with that creepy ass music that just like it keeps going and you're just like oh my god i'm in for some shit um but i want to talk about that interview scene real quick because i think to me and and you're absolutely right because right from the beginning of that even though you're just like okay like he he's normal now like great Mm, you, you kind of no. get you kind of get that vibe that you're like mm, this guy's a little he's got a little yeah he's a little twisted and i think that the part that gives that away is when the interviewer guy the mr altman i think is what we're going to call him yeah um he he says he's just like so uh, uh mr torrance i you know i don't really want to put you on put you off or anything but uh well there was uh, another caretaker up here and well kind of killed his wife kids and blew his head off and <laughs> you know just kind of well that happened you know, to you <laughs> yeah yeah and he's kind of like it's obviously an uncomfortable subject and his his reaction to the thing is very subtle but that's kind of to me the first giveaway is where he's instead of kind of being like oh my god this is horrible like i need to talk to my wife or oh like mm-hmm. you know ooh, like they, like he doesn't really question it that much he's just kind of like well my my wife uh she's a ghost movie fanatic and like she i'm sure she'll be fascinated when i tell her like no that doesn't bother me i'm like i don't know if a really normal guy would react quite that way to hearing that news yeah yeah maybe that's just me well and hearing you describe the that scene that way it almost and maybe i'm jumping ahead too far it makes me think of that last scene where you're looking at the photograph and he's in the picture Mm. and the whole theories of like he's just the next reincarnation of the caretakers and he's always kind of been a part of the hotel that like he came into that interview knowing already so being told that news again he knew so he had to like play it off as oh this is so surprising that is whatever a, that's a, that's definitely a good theory that's one of many little, theories yeah maybe a little tin hat of me but you know i don't know just that he he was already a part of the hotel at that point we're definitely going to get into that i promise you because <laughs> there, there's no way to talk about this movie without doing that um so the the next thing i want to talk about on here because i i think it's a it's a central theme at least running throughout the movie is is the the subject of facing your demons um because jack torrance not just him but you know his his wife wendy and and his son danny they're they're trapped in the overlook hotel uh and really they got nothing but time uh time with each other time alone um 
And they're apparently in the midst of potentially evil spirits, if you even want to go as far as saying that, because honestly, you don't even know if like that's even real. You know, they could just be losing their marbles and hallucinating the entire thing. There might not even be a damn ghost, except they do indicate at one point during the early shots when the staff workers are there. They're just like, well, this was on a bit Indian burial ground. So it's, yep. pro- it's probably some evil shit. But the question I wanted to ask you guys on this is. How do you feel about the subject of facing your demons and, and, you know, you can characterize it like in the movie, like when you're talking about how they deal with it. Cause I think Jack Torrance, how he used to do it was the bottle, you know, he would drink a lot, probably beat up his son. That probably felt good to him for a little bit. I'm not saying that's good. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to talk about because the movie is dealing so much with a man ultimately that is trying to, come to terms with his demons in a way because i think that's part of why he's wanting to be left alone in the hotel he's, he's trying to kind of get his mind right obviously he picks the wrong hotel to do that at um but i don't know just what what do you guys think about that like facing your demons in an isolated location like that like what does that make you think about i will i will say i think probably um isolating yourself living in a place where there's no one else other than just your family is probably a terrible way to face is a pretty terrible way to face your demons i think um which is why i think like me personally i didn't necessarily go straight to ghosts and thinking they're probably just losing their minds a little bit because like if you're already like just like an alcoholic as a whole and like i don't know that place is spooky of course but like if you're just going to be in this giant hotel by yourself with nothing but your family and all you're doing is writing and like, you don't even know what you're writing. You're just trying to find some sort of reason to write basically in this isolation, like mm-hmm. more than expected. I would, I, I would say most of the, the human population would probably go insane in, in one way or the other over a course of time. So I don't know. I don't know whose idea was it for Jack Torrance. I don't know why, why Jack thought that going into this isolation area would be best for him and his family, but it's probably not the best thing to do if you're already struggling, I would say. Well, I think that's interesting because I think Jack is fundamentally a selfish character. Yeah. That nothing he does leading up to the decision to move to the Overlook and throughout the entire movie is with his family in mind. So moral of the story, I don't think he was thinking. I think he was just like, ah, me time. (laughs) I guess the wife's here too, but all right. You know, so, but to to answer your original question, Jordan, I think it adds an interesting level of grounding to the movie to have that element of facing your demons because you do have all this fantastic stuff happening around you that you can't really explain, but to have that really human element to it changes it. And I think, it can throw people off or distract them a little bit because you go into the movie not expecting to have really real human emotions. You expect to be scared and having something that serious as alcohol abuse or physical abuse within your family is not something that people want to experience in that moment or like think about. Um, so it, it really throws a wrench into it. But I think <clears throat> I think Kubrick knew that obviously and made made that another element of it and kind of change it to more psychological well so let me ask so uh, sophia you said you read the book right have you read the book book. okay you have adam have you read the book i have not no okay so see i haven't read the book either but i was curious like i mean i i wish i have had read the book and whatnot but 
I was kind of curious, like if they had had um, if the characters had those attributes in the book versus the movie or that kind of thing. But aside the point, um, I do think that for a movie like this, and in particular, this is a slow burn movie. It's it's meant to it's deliberately slowly paced which can maybe kind of throw some people off in the beginning, but I think you need to have that, that character grounding as you were talking about um, to have you be invested in the people, because if you, if you don't, the, the scares alone are not going to really grab you that much. It's actually a lot more scary because you are aware these people have demons and they, and they have personal problems and things like that, that in a way, and that's another theory that the, that the movie kind of draws on that people uh, speculate over is, how the hotel in a way is this evil place that draws on a person's um, insecurities and things that they are afraid of in themselves, you know, possibly terrible things. Cause I think it's, I didn't, I didn't even have this thing prepared for, for this point, but you know, it makes you think about like things that you keep inside yourself that like parts of the, of yourself that you're afraid of that, you know, if you were in a place like that, who, who knows what would come out of you? Like, and I, I don't know if everybody has something like that. It's a little dark to think about like that, but I don't know. I think it's it's interesting to think about the, the things in yourself that you might not want to really be willing to admit to everybody else um, around you, let alone your family. And oh, I think yeah, there's I definitely there's definitely parts of Jack. I think that what I'm trying to get at with all that is you can clearly tell the character Jack Torrance has shit that he has denied. Like he he is in denial about parts of himself. And I think, honestly, in a weird way, when he goes kind of cuckoo, that might be the part where he's he might be his most authentic self when he's batshit crazy. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I reaching there? Is that making any sense? No, I, think I, I would I would agree. And like, um, it reminds me of I don't know the hu- the human mind left to its own devices is not usually a pretty thing. I think of. Uh, Black and Black Black Mirror, the TV show. There's an episode, White Christmas, it's called. And basically, you're there's this human mind, and you can leave a human mind isolated for and it'll stay alive for tens of thousands of years. And basically, the the mind just breaks after a while because if you think to yourself, like I can I can maybe be by myself and bored for like two weeks, but if you had to do that for like five months, even like oh, dude, I would. I would be off the wall. I would be. I would be seeing ghosts so much. I would. Uh, I would be going crazy, and like it's kind of weird how the human mind. Like, I don't know how we keep ourselves busy and just not go crazy. But I feel like if you're stuck with something like boredom and you're stuck with so much of it, then it doesn't lead to good things usually. But I don't know. Do either of you? This is going to sound a little weird. But I mean, this is shining. This is, you know, it's part of the fun of talking about this, <laughs> this crazy stuff. But do either of you like ever wonder if you're thinking about like, okay, me in an isolated situation, how long does it take before I go cuckoo? But do you kind of wonder like just a little bit, you're just like, what would I be like as a nut job? Like, what would I do if I was batshit crazy? Like, I, I like kind of think question. about those things. I'm like, I, I bet I would do some creative stuff. Like it, it'd be bad, but yeah, it's. Am I weird to think about this? <laughs> I don't know. Would you be the kind of, I think I would be the kind of freak that would think he's Jesus. You, you'd go, so, you'd go into that, like have like some weird. Uh, that, that's where thing. I would go. If I, if I were to be a nut job, I would think I'm Jesus. <laughs> I think that that's you have the long direction hair. I would be heading. That helps. I do have long hair. Yeah, dude. Jesus, Jesus is a cool guy. And I could, I could see myself being the next reincarnation of Jesus, <clears> you know? So Sophia, say that you 
are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You're okay. insane. You have lost your mind. Yep. What are you doing? Ooh. Are you trying to murder your family? Like, I guess let's start with that. Are you trying to kill them? I, I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, I'd like to think that it would be something like, uh, like a Van Gogh crazy situation. Mm. I am not an artist by any means, but I think if I was crazy enough, I would think that I was. And I would just be like, this is my art. And it was just like finger paintings like <laughs> strewn all over. <laughs> so I think it would just be like creating something completely, completely insane and being like, this is the best thing that's ever been created. Hang this in the Louvre right now. <laughs> and, and if they just, don't hang it in the Louvre, do you turn to violence? Then or it's do on you... site. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How about you, Jordan? Um, what kind of yeah, what's, what's your you crazy? Do? What's your crazy uh, outlet? Man, I, I don't know. I mean, I might be crazy today. Even I, I, I say, I say and do things all the time. I'm like, I, I don't know what's always going to come out of my mouth. But okay, in the hypothetical situation that I have isolated myself, uh, do I have a wife and son in this situation too? Like, I mean, is it just me? You decide. Me? You decide. Mm, okay. Well, in hypothetical land, um, sure, I'll say I'm married and. I'll change it up. I got a baby. He can't, he can't walk. He's, he's a crawler. You know, he's, is there that, you go. do people call babies that, that they can't walk? They call them crawlers. Is that, a, that's, that's made up. I think it's just babies. <clears throat> go ahead. Nah, I'm going to make that be a thing. If I have a baby, he's a crawler. I'm not calling All him right. a baby. Okay. So in this hypothetical situation, um, well, I definitely don't think I would turn to violence right away because I don't think I have kind of the the aggressive undertones that jack torrance has it's not really me but i can be pretty sarcastic and i can sometimes have a peculiar sense of humor so i have a feeling as i start to lose my grip of reality there would be things that would be hysterical to me but nobody else would find it funny so i would start like laughing obscenely <laughs> at like nothing like water you could be running Joker just, like, <laughs> like I I would start that way and that would be like okay kind of red flag he's like why is that funny like you know humor is subjective but even that's not funny but he's laughing at it so my sense of humor starts to deteriorate into madness and then I think furthermore from that uh, I probably start to do weird stuff with my appearance because I would like look at myself in the mirror for a while and be like I don't know who I am and then like I'd like I don't know shave off an eyebrow and you know pull yeah. out nose hair and shave your hair I, I i don't know i might shave it all <laughs> I, I don't really even know i i don't know in that situation so i lose my sense of humor i i go crazy on the mirror probably put on lipstick i bet i could see that um I could see that, yeah 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 no I, like I, the I, lipstick kind of guy. some feminine features you know i shave this off i have a very pristine baby face so i could maybe do something with that um no but then honestly i think what happens when i go full-blown crazy I don't think, like I said, I don't think I would attack people, but I do think I would perhaps like, I don't know, crawl around like an animal, maybe run around and think I'm a zebra. I don't really know, but I just see, see myself <laughs> physically doing a lot of external kind of crazy Breaking movements, down. like just like, wah, 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 like, like if, I don't know. I like the idea of that. So something you, like Jordan, that. you seem like a, you seem like a guy that would do a lot of yelling. Like, I feel yeah. like you would just yell random nonsense. You'd be one of those kind of guys. I could see it. Because like I you said, really, I mean... You got, you got a lot on your mind, man. Like, you do this podcast. You do a lot of talking to yourself anyway. So I feel like you, true. you just you would do more of that, you know? 
You'd be like, hey guys, welcome to the podcast. And you're just like walking. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good <laughs> one. On a road. Pretending I'm on an episode without being on an episode. That'd be good. <laughs> be like, what are you doing? Exactly. Be like, I'm live streaming right now. Like, oh, no, no, okay. Um, no, you're naked. Stop. <laughs> am I naked in this scenario too? Are you? That's are, what uh, I was thinking. Just but. lipstick. I do think eventually you, know, you have lipstick. to. The, clo- the clothes have to come off in the crazy scenario. I mean, they have to. That's it's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta show off what you got. It's another thing that society puts on you to to imprison you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so going back to to reality a little bit, um, when you think about the you know your own demons, I'm gonna get a little personal here if I'm allowed to. I'm just curious what both of you do if you have, I think anybody you could argue has some kind of a little demon within themselves or they have something that they're not always the proudest of that they try to kind of work with and things like that. Do you do anything that you feel like that kind of that kind of helps you just be like, you know, kind of okay with who you are, whether it's write or journal or paint something or work out or I don't know, smoke a bowl or I, I, I don't know what people do. Heroin. I'm not going to go that far, Adam. No. Um, no. But if you do that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you help, I guess. Yeah, help. <laughs> um, I would say in a very, like, Jack Torrancey way, I guess. Not from my own, but reflective of. I'm a big journaler. So um, <laughs> journaling, I think, is a great way for me to, like, work through things. I might take some of the things that, like, I write about and talk to other people about it and get that that external feedback but um it's a great place to just have work through things in a way that there's obviously no judgment I could just write go through pages other than that I'm a big runner as well so just go <laughs> just take some time be by myself but running's work great things in a more healthy way I don't know Adam what about you I tend to be uh more of just like a distraction type so I always just like look for someone to, to talk to or for something to do. I'm a pretty social guy. So it's like, I don't like, if I'm in a tough situation, I don't really ever like being alone. And like, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing with someone else. As long as I'm like, not just like sitting by myself and thinking to my thoughts, like I could be playing video games with you, Jordan, or I could be going on a walk with someone. But I usually, I tend to like, when I get in the situations where I'm like not having a good time, I always try to not necessarily lean on someone else, but I, I'm just a pretty social guy. So I like seeing other people and that tends to help me like not stress as much and just like talk through things with people, whatever it may be. Well, I, I think it, it's interesting when you think about like how much, or at least this is what I think about when I think about this is <clears throat> you, you wonder sometimes like how much is good to like be by yourself or to like get in touch kind of with your feelings. Cause I do think there's like a, <clears throat> like a slippery slope maybe because sometimes you can overthink things or sometimes you know you've you've spent a little too much time by yourself and then you're kind of out of touch from things so there is sometimes a a, a a benefit to do something mindless or go talk to somebody or just you know go do something that's you know with people but you're not really having to like be in your head so much um there's a benefit to it but I don't know I I, I like I do like doing the secluded things too, like running, you know, you, you said that Sophia, I, I like to run a lot. Um, I'll share kind of a pathetic thing about running if that's okay. I, I think you'll, it. you'll find it. interesting. It. 
So, okay, I don't know if anybody else thinks about running this way because running, I found from anyone I've talked to that does it remotely seriously, it's a very personal thing. It's kind of a meditative exercise in a way. It's much more of a mind over physical thing. It's especially if you do distance running. Um, But here's my sad, pathetic truth on running sometimes. I'm not saying I think this all the time, but sometimes. I know sometimes if I've had like just a difficult day, whether it's in work or life, and I've like, been struggling with doing something all day like some really hard like mental task I'm like I feel dumb I I'm like working my ass off on this and I feel stupid all day well it feels pretty good to go for a run and be like all I have to do is put one foot in front of the other how can I mess this up I'm like it's kind of the way I'm trying to say it is that like I'm not saying like like stupid people have a hope in like running but like I feel I'm like, ah, when I run, I don't have to exercise a lot of critical brain power because to me, it's not that hard. I'm just like, just run and I can do that. And then when I get done with it, I'm like, oh, I felt like I accomplished something during a day where I feel like I failed all day. I I don't know if that makes sense. It's funny in my head, but when I say it, it kind of sounds, but anyway. No, I don't think that's pathetic at all. I think that because there's definitely days that I fall into that same category too of like, I know that I can get this done either if it's running or like, I also weight lift too. So it's like, I could, I can, I know that I can do that. Like, I know that at any day, no matter the situation, my body is capable of doing that one thing. And then it's just crossing that off the list. And then it's like, okay, I, maybe I'm in a better headspace. Maybe I'm better equipped to handle whatever it was that was causing me problems before. But regardless, I know that I am able to do this thing. Um, so that, that's well said. It, yes. Yeah. I don't think it's pathetic at all. Yeah. I, I, th- this is part of my personality though. I'm very self-deprecating. I love the shit on myself. I'm so good at it too. I, I get a favorite pastime of mine, just like taking a crap on myself. That sounds absolutely, you know, I shouldn't say like, that's a strange visual to picture, but anywho, um, I got a shit piece of garbage, piece of trash. It, it, Adam, where okay, I, you know, I know no one can see you, but it is dark in there, my friend. Can you even see? I can, yeah. If, if for people that are listening, I am currently me and Sophia are in the same house currently because we're we're at my house. Why don't you share where you're recording from, though, my friend? But I am I am currently in my bathroom using using her laptop because I felt like I felt like I would be a good boyfriend and give her the, the comfy chair with my comfy headset. Yeah, I, I'm just. I'm just doing what you know, cool boyfriends do personally. But yeah, I'm currently sitting in the bathroom, and I I kind of prefer dark in here because the light is kind of like really bright. Yeah, no, you guys t- can turn still that see off. me with the with the yeah with the darkness. You could still see me anyway. I'm doing that. But, with yeah. your dark sweater, it kind of just makes you a floating head. But it's true. <laughs> I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I like you shaking your head around like a demented person. That's that's yeah. amazing. It's um, a theme. It is. Gotta, yeah, I was gonna say, Jordan, it's, you got to get video podcasting. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I actually, the, the next, the next thing I have that I'm gonna be making an investment in is a proper um, a two-way audio recorder. So that way, when I actually have a guest here, like in, I don't want to call this a studio. This is my home studio. office. <laughs> but when I have, because I, I like to have guests here in person if I can. And I've done that now several times, but I don't have a proper audio recording system to have um, two independent audio channels running uh, consistently against each other without there being echoes. Um, so I've done research and long story short, I just have to purchase this 
um, this audio splitter thing that allows me to do what I need to do so I can be professional and not just doing the lady and the tramp thing. Because if you see this microphone here, the person sits on the couch like right over there. And then like we kind of got to be like, you know, it's not like don't don't kiss me kind of thing. It's a it's a little strange. <laughs> um, OK, so. I had a note on here. I don't know why it, it's got nothing to do with the topic we just talked about, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I just kept thinking of the overlook hotel. There's a lot of long hallways in this movie and there's a lot of empty rooms and just big, big empty spaces, big empty rooms and long hallways. And I don't know, it got me thinking, I'm sure both of you have been in a space at some point where you're like, there's a long hallway. I don't know if I want to go down that. I mean, am I alone in feeling creeped out by by long hallways with no people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if it's just a visual thing because I'm expecting something to come out of that long hallway. I can't do it. I actually, now that you say it, have you seen the movie, the it's Invisible Man? It was the the, the reboot that they did like two years ago. I, I know the reboot. It's got Elizabeth Moss in it, but I, I have not seen it. I've heard it's good. Okay. okay. Or it's decent. I mean, is it good? It's really, it's really good. You should watch it. I just don't. I don't want to. I don't give it away because I. I. It is a movie I will watch. uh, Hopefully sooner rather than later. But yes, is there a lot of invisible or not invisible? But is there weird hallways in that? It is. Yeah, or just like long lingering shots, like what you're talking about, where you're just you're waiting for something. Um, Because I think, especially with the conventions of film that sounds so lame but (laughs) like the way that shots are set up if there's like a long hallway you're expecting something to happen within it and that anticipation of that thing not fulfilling your your expectation makes you even more on edge um so I thought that Kubrick like the few times that Kubrick really did it was really well done same thing in Invisible Man where you're already on edge because you know that Jack is a mess. You know that his family life isn't good. You have all these other factors coming together, but then adding that extra visual element of being just put off by what you're, what you're, what you want to happen, not happening. I thought was really interesting. Um, What I thought was a very interesting point on the subject of the hallways is now I'm sure the both between the three of us, we've all seen a number of different horror movies over the years and whatnot. But I feel like a, a trope that gets tried a lot and still today is, uh, let's say, like the protagonist of a movie turns around a corner, there's a hallway, and then like it's like, you know, flashing tweaky lights. It looks creepy. Like it looks like I shouldn't walk down that. I'm going to get murdered. Like that happens, I feel like, as a trope in horror movies all the time. But interestingly enough, with The Shining, there are all those long creepy hallways and whatnot, but a lot of them aren't really dimly lit. In fact, most of them have normal lighting, but in a way it kind of makes it more unsettling because there's not like, like, like it's not like the character is going to go around and be like, Oh, okay. There's some creepy shit going down at the end of that one. I'm not going to go down that, but there's like a more like realism creepiness to the whole thing, I guess, because they're not relying on that blatant visual imagery to try to get you to be afraid of it i don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense but that's, no. a, that's a really good point actually i never thought about it that way but you're totally right where it's like in the movie where it finally turns around there's the twins there they're like and then at the end of hallways in general it's always like very well lit like you you will see something if there's something there you're just like anticipating like turning that corner and something being there but it's not necessarily because it's like dark or anything like that adam think- let, uh, go ahead sorry 
I was just gonna say this: the lighting in this movie as a whole is just very like, and the visuals especially are just all of it's just really off-putting. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like, it just doesn't feel right. And he does a he does a very good job of it. I'm not sure if it's like the angles. Like I can think of a specific like the angle with the bartender when he's sitting there having a drink yeah. and he's looking back at the bartender. <laughs> The bartender is just like, I don't know if it's the lighting is off or something like that, where it's just shining on his eyes, but he doesn't look real. He looks like some yeah. sort of like plastic man or like he's just staring into your soul like a demon. I don't know what it is, but yeah. the lighting of it just is so off-putting and it just makes the movie as a whole a lot that much more creepy. That's a great point, though, with the bartender, though, in particular, because <clears throat> I love the gold room in the overlook hotel like that i i wish i could have a drink at a place like that that would be phenomenal it, yeah it, it's an absolutely gorgeous place and the whole setting overall for the movie it's it is a pretty place i mean if it wasn't haunted i'd probably want to go ski there or something but mm-hmm. um the bartender thing that was interesting because yeah when they first reveal him he is lit in such a way that and obviously the actors like kind of like staring like really intensely he doesn't really blink that much and there is kind of this like like you're like, so this is, like this is not truly human kind of like there, there's a there's a strange element going on there but adam i want to ask you because i i feel like you're going to have a good response to this maybe so you were talking about those twin girls you know the ones that was like come play with us forever and ever and ever and you know all that thing um i'm curious right now say you come around the corner those twin girls are there what are you going to do do you go play with How? them i no no i would definitely i would would definitely not that's the it would either the two options are get the fuck out of there or go beat the shit out of them those are my two options really i like the idea of you taking charge and going to beat them like (laughs) what what could they possibly want what 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 could possibly happen that would be remotely fun hanging out with two twins in general are just creepy like they're just not they're not cool they deserve to be they need to be split up what but what if the twin girls they actually have just no malicious like no malicious intent they just want to play with you like is it so harmless to like do whatever girls from the 60s or whatever like to do or the 80s whatever you know what are they going to want to do they wouldn't talk to me they wouldn't talk to me like they do in the shining though they wouldn't become play with us (laughs) (laughs) i think i think the fact that they're talking together really just like they're really just trying to like really not want me to like them by doing that and they also had to dress the exact same too like you could just yes you could you could dress differently you could you could word things a little bit better and you could also not talk in unison like weirdos that would be my response to the twins to avoid being beaten by me adam you had mentioned before that the twins i think you had said that they were off-putting right yes but i gotta i gotta ask i'm gonna do a little like you gotta pick one who's more off-putting the twin girls or naked granny. Oh, oh God, that dude, scene naked. was so bad. <laughs> I couldn't watch it. I've seen that movie how many times that I could not watch it. Cause I was like, I don't make me look at this hag. <laughs> yeah, it's uh that whole scene when like the curtain goes back and like she's like coming out of the tub and I mean she's an older woman, but like she's uh, uh, I get chill. I get chills thinking about that scene. Sophia was Sophia made a good comment while we were watching it about how like we're 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 still not sure exactly what it is, but it might be the carpet or something. 
but the whole shot of like as soon as he walks into the room and i think it's because the camera is jack's eyes specifically it's just you feel like you're in a dream like you don't you it's definitely not reality as soon as you enter that room and i don't know how exactly stanley kubrick does it i don't know if it's if it's with the carpet or if he does some sort of lighting trick but like as soon as you enter the the room you're like this is not right this isn't reality something is going on here Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is though well in the same way with the way that the woman got out of the bathtub like the way that she was like reaching around the curtain and the way she like stepped out and i was like that I don't know what it is, but that does not look like a real human being. <laughs> like obviously yeah. you had to hire an actress for that, but that's not a that's not a person. I don't know what it is. I think it makes it it makes that scene more creepy, the fact that it is so deliberately again slowly paced. Because if you if she were to just pull it back and be like, What's up, baby? And like just like get out and be like, eh, like come and do me. Like that would <laughs> I, I would love to see an alternate cut of that where she's just like <laughs> boobies <laughs> and jack's just like all right i that's i can't do a good jack nicholson impression no that was um, good he's got to like all right yeah i got like the, I, it's his expression <laughs> the kubrick he's, stare yeah 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 which we're gonna talk about jack nicholson's creepy ass stare in this movie because it's oh it's good i don't think i would want anyone to stare at me like that but it makes me uncomfortable in the best way um so i want to talk about this so the shining like the actual shining you know the you know hey tony (laughs) (laughs) which did you like okay adam you had never seen it before did you get what he was saying when he was doing that like no i I did not i did not know it was murder until he wrote it down i i literally asked sophia 10 seconds before it happened like what what does this mean you had a great reaction i'm just like oh (laughs) jesus christ yeah because yeah, by that know. point in the movie everything like shit has hit the fan and when mm-hmm. they do the little mirror reveal you had a great reaction i loved i loved watching you watch that part <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a um yeah it's great how they do that because i'm pretty sure they do like a real dramatic zoom on there it's just like boom, boom. murder <laughs> you know you're just like oh shit um gotta ask though I don't, I, i'm thinking about this the subject of little danny and tony that apparently lives in his mouth which is kind of strange um you guys have kids in this hypothetical world that i'm making um yeah you guys have a kid um his name is timmy I'm making it up mm-hmm. he comes up to you and like you guys are just sitting at the dinner table you're just like timmy how was your day and he's like it was pretty good like do you get alarmed like, I mean, like, do you, what is your first reaction to your child having a boy that lives in his mouth? <laughs> My gut reaction, um, truthfully, fire station baby. Just, I don't care how old that kid is, <laughs> in a box, <laughs> drop off. <laughs> like, I, you will not bring, you will not bring that demon nonsense in here. I don't know. No, I don't want it. Now, is Firehouse Baby, is this like the, like, I'm putting him in, like, in a basket outside? In a basket and leaving him outside, yeah. Do you give a note saying that may be possessed? Nope. Mm -mm. Nothing? That's their their thing to figure out. Oh, shit. (laughs) Adam, what about you? Your, your, Your son or daughter or whatever is, has the boy living there. What, what do you do? See, the weird thing is, like, I think kids are just fucking creepy in general. Like, they can I remember be. as a kid having like an imaginary friend, 
Yeah. So like where where is the cutoff between having an imaginary friend and just being schizophrenic? You know, where where is that cutoff really at? And I I mean maybe that's what child I guess that's what child doctors are for. And that child doctor in the shining was terrible at her job. But I don't know. I feel like kids as, as a whole are really creepy. And especially after watching this movie, I'm like, God, I really don't want to have a kid. I feel like he's gonna like <laughs> say weird things in his sleep and now i'm gonna be like oh my gosh this kid's possessed we got to get rid of him you know like yeah he's it, gonna wake up leaning over you with a knife <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I got i got told when i was a kid now i didn't have a knife thank god but i did get told that there was a couple of times where like i would like want to like go to bed with like my mom or my dad you know as like a little like three-year-old or you know what i mean like some like little young infant but i guess like i wouldn't like ask i would just like go up to the bed and just like kind of kind of stare until like they knew i was there but i'm like did that i had to mess with that and it's like i wouldn't even say anything i think like they just be like they told me they're just like do you want to like sleep with us and like i think i would just be like i i, I wouldn't even vocalize it i just like creepily nod yeah <laughs> i don't know that's not normal maybe know. fire station baby is too harsh but like yeah i think you have to give kids a reasonable amount of time and latitude yeah. to be creative and I don't know have have that imaginary friend and create those stories in their heads or whatever it may be but yeah I agree I think it hits a point where you're like all right <laughs> I need a doctor right now but, but did, because did, this kid's did, not well okay did you have an imaginary friend I don't remember having one I'm gonna be honest it's okay Adam you said you had one right yeah I had one I forgot. Tell, name. tell us about him. Where is he? I remember now? it was it was the, <laughs> it was the same. It looked the exact same as the Pokemon Flygon. If you know who the Pokemon Flygon is, I do not. Oh, okay, he's a he's a cool he's a dragon type Pokemon. He looks like a dragonfly kind of. Okay, I know dragon, but it was a different color than the Pokemon. He was red and orange. Did he and like he go to school fl- with you? Like, where? Like, what did he do? Yeah, we were just like hanging out in the playground. You know, that's fantastic. That's amazing. I know. I, I know interestingly <laughs> enough, um, the only oh, imagine- you have one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I it was for I don't know what age I was. I I'm always really shitty at like recalling like like some people are like really weird to me when they're just like, I was six years old and I did this. I'm like, why the hell do you know exactly what age you were? I don't know. It's all it's all a blur. They should go to it, they should go to a doctor, honestly. I think they should, probably. I the imaginary friend I had, it was for a little bit of period of time, um, but I know it was inspired from Pokemon. So that's why I, I draw the connection there because I was a big Pokemon fan. And for whatever reason, I imagine there would be a unique Pokemon that was a soccer ball. He had arms and legs, but he was a Pokemon that I made up. Um, I don't think he had a clever name or anything like that. I'm pretty sure it's just like Soccer Chew or something like that. You know, Pikachu. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was very unoriginal. But, that, sounds, uh, that sounds pretty original. Honestly. I made a drawing of him once. Creative. I know that's probably around somewhere. And I think I just pretty much visualized him sitting next to me on the school bus. And that's that's probably about it. He says he, he tells you things. Would you say? Tells me to do things. To tells people. you to do things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to- totally Kick not me in the goal, things. Jordan. Kick <laughs> me in the goal. Yeah, that's uh, I. Yeah, I I'm just trying to think like if I if. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be a great thing to do in a meeting sometime for like work or something? If you're just like, hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> you know, you just do the finger thing, be like, this is Tony. Uh, I'd probably get fired, but you probably get fired. Yeah. 
It'd be pretty cool. You'd get though. a laugh. So you would know. I get a laugh, or would I just so come when... off as being severely disturbed? <laughs> okay. You never know until you do it. So, if you're wearing lipstick, then possibly. But okay, so I want to touch on the actual. I, I was. I don't know. We we got talking to the imaginary friends and some other things, <laughs> but it's okay. So the shining itself, the the actual gift of being able to, I guess. Well, let me okay. Let me first ask: What did you both interpret the shining gift to actually be? Because I feel like you could interpret it in a couple different ways for like what it actually does. I interpret it more as a, kind of a psychic, but a psychic that's able to balance. I don't know. I guess he could kind of see into the future a little bit. Yeah. Um, but primarily just seeing into the past and like picking up the vibes of of the place and understanding like this is a really like a deeply haunted space and like I can see the thing the bad things that happened here but then also being able to communicate that to other people who also had the shining of this is a deeply haunted place you should be a little scared of this I th- yeah I, I think that's well said um I, I think it's interesting too like you know being able to talk to the other people to shine it's like how do you how can you tell who's on your network I mean is it like a, there's a family plan like a phone plan you know for yeah. the shining people like how do you connect just constantly can't well yeah because they talked to yeah. Dick Haller and over state lines I was like that's it's true that's bonkers do you, Speaking... do you have to work up to that level or did you just like cast a net out there and you hooked him and pulled him in well well i do think if either of you did either of you see the sequel dr sleep the official sequel oh shit okay first off you guys gotta watch dr sleep it's actually like good it's a worthy sequel to the shining and like it's it's well done i haven't read the book but they kind of the reason i bring it up is because they kind of explore that a little bit of like the range that somebody shine has so it's 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 interesting i won't say too much okay Okay. um kind of interesting though if you guys had the shining, you had this gift. I mean, are you just going to try to find other people and just like have wireless conversations in your mind and like, just be like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, how's it going? <laughs> or do, or, or are you just going to like, like, what are you going to do with it? I feel like it would mess with my perception of reality a little bit. And I think it would send me a little bit insane. Like honestly, the, the cook guy, who we, we should we should come back to him at some point because I want to talk a little bit about that. Catman. Catman Carruthers. Catman do, basically, is what. But um uh he was kind of creepy as well. And I feel like if if I had the ability of the shining, like I think that would have a serious effect on me being able to function in society if I was able to t- telepathy connect with only like a specific amount of other people. I don't know. I feel like that would that would throw me for a loop for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just like yeah. stumble into a place and find out that it was haunted in, in the time that I was there. Because he he just he Danny was just living his life and then yeah. all of a sudden scary twins appear. It'd be awful. You never know when the next thing that's just gonna completely send you over the edge is gonna be around the corner. Yeah, I I don't I don't know exactly like and, and it's it's kind of a, something to think about too is like if the the you know the ability of it if you would even consider it to be a gift or if it's a curse you know because I, I mean I, I would arguably say in the case of Danny it's probably a curse I mean I don't know what kid wants to really experience and have to deal with things like that let alone when you're trying to just grow up and figure out life at a young age that's a lot to handle 
and he all and also on top of that he has all the child abuse trauma that he has from his father um and as a kid he's probably not even coping with that right so i just i think that combination for him is unfair but in a more you know in a person that maybe doesn't have that kind of traumatic upbringing maybe it could be good you know maybe they could like actually like come to terms with it figure it out you know make it be a benefit mm-hmm. but i don't know i i, I would want to have more conversations with with dick halloran um scott man carruthers um adam and you want to talk about him quick i gotta ask because it's a scene i i still haven't really like been able to like figure out i'm like i don't even know if it means anything if it's weird but isn't there like a point in the movie where he's like chilling in Miami or something and like they do like that really slow panning shot and he just has that big portrait of the naked women like oh yeah that's like right up and like up in his apartment and you're just like that's cool I guess but like what what does this mean <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean not necessarily take it for to mean anything I just thought he was just kind of like a lonely guy that's what I always thought that's what I thought when I saw that. I was like yeah. oh this dude's just kind of lonely living in Miami that's but true. more what I wanted to talk about with him was I do not understand how you get an SOS call. You know this place is haunted and you do not take a gun with you uh, or an axe or anything. And you literally just walk in and you just start like being like, is anyone there? Is anyone is, there? Like it, is, it, doesn't, it, literally, it does not make any sense to me why you would do that. And I understand it's like a horror film and you gotta like do all this stuff or whatever. But it was a little bit it was a little bit too much of like this guy is acting completely clueless right now. Well, and we have no reason to think he's like, why, why was he acting that way? Do you guys have any explanation for why he was doing that? I don't know if I have an explanation, but I will, what I will say is that it is interesting because again, the movie is deliberately paced, but Dick Halloran drags ass to get there. I mean, I don't think he, he gets there really in a hurry. He's just kind of like, okay, something's kind of a miss. going to get a commercial flight. Okay, I'm going to sit and sleep. Just kind of not really worried. Oh, okay, I'm going to go visit the truck shop and rent a car. Hmm. Family's probably still alive. Eh, whatever, who cares? Like, he, he doesn't really seem to be in that big of a hurry. And so, yes, it does seem like in his very slow pace that he probably could have at least grabbed, like, I don't know, maybe a handgun, a hammer, something. Uh-huh. I understand why he went himself too, because it's like the shining, and he doesn't want other people to know he has this ability, or no one would believe him. That's like true. I understand going alone part, but like I don't understand how he just like completely misread the situation when he knew that this place was haunted ahead of time. And he does indicate that from the start. He doesn't like say it explicitly to Danny, as you recall, like in the kitchen scene. He's just uh-huh. kind of like, "Well, there's some stuff like you know, it was kind of wrong. You don't go in room two three seven, Danny. You don't do that." Or he calls him Doc. Sorry, you called him Doc. Yeah. Sophia, what's your take on this? Did did Dick Halloran mess up by not being prepared? I, it's hard to say because I guess we can't tell the full context of what the message he received from Danny in The Shining. Because his eyes How, just go like crazy, right? He's yeah, just his like, eyes just like, like, really that, big. like crazy. Yeah, twi- it looks like he's seizing almost. Um, yeah. Kind of, I guess. But yeah, so you, you don't really know how much he's actually seeing, which makes you, it makes you wonder, like, is he seeing Jack in Danny's message? Is he seeing the girls again? You know, so if we had a little bit better context on maybe what he was seeing, then it would make more sense mm-hmm. if he came unprepared or if he came prepared. But I think what you were saying, Adam, of like, it's a horror movie, you kind of have to just like suspend disbelief a little bit and be like, all right, well, 
someone's got to be the idiot who walks in it's like <laughs> what's going on <laughs> i i well i i do like to think like when it comes to that and it's a great shot where scott man Carruthers, like i mean i believe he is horrified with whatever he's seen and i guess from what i understand about the gift of the shining i don't feel like he was seeing like a specific thing i think he was just getting such strong signal from danny that horrific things were happening and he was feeling to his core the horror of whatever was going on and like that was what he was just purely experiencing in his body was just pure utter horror i don't think he was like seeing exactly what was going on but he's just like something's fucked up like I, I gotta go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then he, he, I mean, he dies pretty quickly and he, he yeah. doesn't live long. That axe went right in. Like, there was no. That's definitely a chilling moment. And in particular for the score, because when the score kicks on, when the axe goes in that guy's back, or sorry, his front. Um, yeah, like, I don't know how they do it, but like, if you know the scene, you know what I'm talking about, where it's just like that, like, it's, it has that creepy ass echo reverberating thing in the background oh and then jack nicholson is like fully loony and like mm-hmm. just like yeah <laughs> you know like he he's pretty happy that he got some kills so um a wonderful job with all of the uh impressions and scoring re- throughout this whole episode jordan i'm loving I, this <laughs> i remember it very well i'm not saying it's always going to be the greatest impressions but i i yeah. try to try to feel the scenes I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but okay. So I want to also talk about, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy thing to talk about, but your favorite moments. What, what is your favorite? I mean, I, I have a couple, but I want to boil it down to one. You pick one moment in The Shining that is your favorite. What is it? Adam, you kick it off first. Oh, God. Um... Jordan, do you have one? I do. Oh, okay, I have. You, I, you I tell have, yours first, and I gotta think about that. I have three, but I will. I will focus more on one. So one, I just love all the instances. There's one in particular, but any instance where they the camera just lingers for a long time on Jack Nicholson's deadpan stare, um, I for whatever reason really like that, and I'm just like, this is fucked up. Like I just want to see how long I can stare at him without getting creeped out. Um, so I like all the scenes where he stares. I like all the scenes in the bar because I think those are some of like the most like weirdly, I don't want to say philosophical scenes, but there, there's some like the conversation that he has with the bartender is just very interesting. And so anytime they cut to that, I was, I was always like really transfixed on what he was doing. And then even thinking, I'm like, is he actually even drinking? He probably isn't like, it could just be made up he could just yeah. be like like sucking on his thumb for all i know i, I don't know yeah. um but no my favorite scene it's uh <clears throat> it's not the act scene but it is definitely the climactic scene where wendy comes in and discovers that he's been typing his his lovely book dude um, yes that, that was what i was about to say too that, because i mean like scene. the movie's been building to like this moment where you're like okay someone's gonna have to figure out that that he's insane that like this place is fucking evil and that scene happens and in particular again i gotta go with the slow um i don't know what type of shot it is but when the camera is going back up slowly on the stairs and jack is just kind of crawling up towards wendy and she's got the back she's like get away get away Ah!" and he's just like "Ah, ah, ah, ah," like 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 (laughs) like shaking his tongue at her he's just like i'm not gonna hurt you 
I'm just gonna bash your fangs in. I'm just gonna bash them the fuck in. I'm just like, I am so like, this is such next level acting here. Like that that scene is perfection. It's perfection. Unreal. Okay, yeah, that's my favorite. No, scene. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, he's he's crazy. <laughs> since okay, since you said a couple, I'm also gonna say a couple. I'm circumventing your rules. Um I'm going to include, okay, second place is the act scene just because it is so iconic. But I think the part that I love the most about it is when the axe actually goes through and the camera is like on Shelly Duvall and you just see her. I just think that's the one of the best encapsulations of just pure terror. Yeah. Because I was reading back behind the scenes stuff about it and I guess they had been trying that scene like 60 different times like to try and have Jack Nicholson hit his mark on that door everything like that but you do it so many times that you don't know when the axe is actually going to go through the door so her terror is real like yeah that's that's an axe coming through a door at her so I I read really quick that they destroyed over 60 doors yeah doing, doing that scene alone because Kubrick is notorious for extensive takes and perfection and he doesn't care how exhausted you get he's like fuck it let's do it again yeah yeah and after the section we should like circle back to that because like I have a lot of thoughts about that perfectionism that Kubrick brought to this movie but I think in that scene alone the way that he was able to like purely show how scared she was i think just really inspires that in the audience as well which i think is really cool but well go ahead go ahead okay (laughs) i was gonna say my favorite scene and i pointed it out to adam when we were watching it and it's a really like nerdy thing to focus on and like but i again was a nerd took a film class in college and they pointed it out and i haven't been able to stop thinking about it every time i see the movie but in the scene in the red bathroom with grady there's they break the 180 rule and they move where the camera is positioned because normally in the conversation you have it along sight lines and the camera stays on one side of you but they flip it so it just adds again to that audience being uncomfortable because you're seeing different angles all the time you don't really have a great spatial understanding of what's going on um so i just i love that scene because you're starting to really realize like this is not okay jack has been here before something all the pieces are starting to come together a little bit better. So that tiny little camera trick is just adding that extra level of discomfort in the, in the viewer. That's really cool. And I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and revisit that scene because I'm sure if I watched it, I would probably be able to pick that out. I, I don't know a lot about, you know, all the technical process behind film and whatnot, but I know enough. Um, And I definitely think there's probably a lot of instances throughout this movie where, where Kubrick is purposely doing a lot of little intentional adjustments to just do that little extra to put you a little bit you know out of your center or whatever Mm -hmm. um even if you're not even conscious of it because this movie is supposed to be i would say in part supposed to be a very visceral experience you're supposed to be kind of having your senses fucked with for the majority of the runtime so that's interesting and and i did not know that so that is cool yeah just a just a weird technical thing that i always i it makes me notice it every time i go through that movie that is awesome. Um, okay, so we're gonna get into. I don't know how long we've been talking, and also if I if we're going too long, uh, definitely let me know. But 
we're going to get into the the crazy parts now and i mean like the 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 theories and the thinking about things because like i said there it's impossible to talk about this movie without asking a lot of what ifs uh in particular the ending let's talk about the photograph thoughts what are your thoughts is it real is it made up like what what's going on you go ahead sophia because i honestly don't really know what to think of it like i (laughs) it's it was such a curveball to me and like everything else was like i've only again i've only seen this movie one time so i like I'm glad Sophia is here to talk more deeper about this because like, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, I already wasn't really sure what was going on. And then I'm like, yeah. okay, he's there in 1920. What <laughs> What is going on here? Was he there before? Was this whole thing a dream? Like my mind was jumping to a lot of different conclusions because there were a lot of different ways I think you can go with it. And I, I personally don't really know what to make of it. So what's, what's your guys' take? I guess I'm curious. I think my take was kind of along uh, what I was talking about at the beginning with like beginning with the interview scene and just kind of developing throughout the whole movie is that Jack has always kind of been, whether it's his spirit or whatever it may be, has always kind of been a part of the hotel. And then he was just like kind of sucked in, like fully possessed by the hotel by the end. Um, So whether that was like a, a later addition of him in the photo or like if he some version of him was always at the hotel and was reincarnated as Grady or whoever it may be but I think I think the photo is meant to represent that like Jack has fully been possessed by the hotel like obviously he's dead by this point but he has been like f- like fully taken in by by the horror of the hotel one thing I think is interesting, and I'll give I'll give my own thoughts on that photograph, but I, I want to touch on the Grady thing in particular in that in that scene in the bathroom because that always kind of threw me off, and especially when I think about the context of the photo in the end of the movie, is that if you recall, you know, you know, Jack kind of keeps interrogating Grady. He's just like, "You're you're Grady, right? Like, get, kill your kids? Like, come on, you know." He's kind of like doing that whole thing. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I like, no, I'm just here. Let me clean up your orange juice spill. Like, sorry, you know. He's like, I'm Dilbert Grady. I'm upstanding guy here. And I just kind of, I, I wonder that scene in particular because I'm just like, okay, especially when you know the end of the movie, you're just like, is does does like the hotel overtake him like when he does it and like wipes his memory, like of of like what happened. Like, or, or does he know about it? Because, like, he does seem a little sinister when he's, you know, especially towards the end, he's just like, don't you have unfinished business to do? You know, like, you haven't killed your wife yet. Um, yeah, when he gets him out of the, the, the walk-in. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, I think about that scene because I do wonder if, you know, let's say the hotel did take Jack Torrance, you know, they have, they have taken his soul. Is he aware that he did it all? Because he seems pretty damn happy in that photo. So maybe, I don't know. I, do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Of, Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to phrase it, of his memory, like, being wiped. I don't know. But he's still in the system of it. Maybe. Or maybe he's aware of the whole thing. He's, like, happy. He's like, I'm glad they're dead. Like, this hotel rocks. Like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
I, I know my own my own thoughts on it. I I'm kind of of the mindset that he dies in the lab uh, in the the I was about to say labyrinth. Is that right? That's you could say labyrinth. The hedge maze. Oh, I'll say yeah. the hedge maze. He dies. You know, he freezes. And also, did that freaking cut to his frozen ass make you jump? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Adam, did it make you jump, or did you just laugh when you're just like his face all like mangled up and frozen? I mean, at first I was pretty surprised by it, but it was also it was honestly a little hilarious at the same time because it was very extra. So, dude, I I I could only hope if I'm frozen, I look like that. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I just like I I think he dies out there, and I do think that the hotel is so evil that it took his soul. I definitely think that he's not going to heaven. Like, nope he he is now forever a part of the hotel. But as far as the 1927 thing, because that's the thing you got to kind of wrap your head around is like, okay, like, so then does he just permanently get sucked into the past? I'm going to assume yes, because I don't know. I don't know if they fully explain like when like all the Indian burial ground crap happened. Um, But it does seem like even the ghosts that were haunting them were from the past. You know, it didn't seem like they were from the present. So my guess is that yes, the the spirits of the hotel are like perpetually trapped in the twenties or something. That's just like, they're stuck in a time loop. I don't know. That's, that's how I think about it. Um, And then I just think, well, go ahead. I was just going to say to your point about the, them being trapped in the twenties, like they were at the, at the party where he runs into Delbert Grady, they're all dressed up in twenties dresses and everything like that. What's going, what's going on with the guy possibly getting a fellatio on the bed from a bear man do we do we know what's going on with that we were talking about that because I, <laughs> I told him i was like i don't know what this is be prepared that this is going to happen it's kind of fucked up i don't know what it is yeah and maybe they just put that scene maybe maybe that scene like kubrick's just like let's just throw it like like isn't wouldn't it be messed up if a guy was a bear and, and he was he was getting some sexual favors like that like they, this movie's already kind of gone off the rails so like we'll just throw that in and people will speculate about it like crazy i i don't know i could never figure out that scene i think you could say that about a lot of this movie though sometimes too where i feel like you, you can honestly say stanley kubrick was just maybe going insane and he's just like let's 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 fuck with the people on this one guys let's let's throw in this old hag that'll never be brought up again yeah, she's just gonna be old and creepy. Or let's throw in this this dude that's getting sucked by a dick by a dog or something, you know? <laughs> just to fuck with people. You yeah, know? and we'll put this end date at the end, and we're not gonna explain anything at all. We're just gonna do it so we can make people think, you know. But it's part and of what's made this. We're typing away. We're we're talking about this and being like, oh my gosh, Stanley Kubrick, he's so interesting. Oh my gosh, he's but so maybe he is just fucking with us, you know. Yeah, because and and that's going to lead me on to the to the next point on here is talking about the great conspiracy theories because so many oh there are so many now I I noted a few that appealed to me but I I don't know I want to touch on this Adam though is Kubrick it's like you have to wonder because a lot of people are like he's some genius he's trying to tell us about the Apollo moon landing man like he faked it all like like they do all this stuff where it's like no like what if he was just like. I'm going to make this movie. It's going to just mess with people. I'm going to throw in a bunch of shit. None of it makes sense. And no, it doesn't have any deep-seated thought. I just thought it'd be interesting to see a man-bear pig give a guy so, some sexual favors on a bed. Is, see a, does, does this stuff... So does the hag thing and yes. the fellatio with the dog, do these things happen in the book? Do you guys know? I heard uh, that the, the thing with the dog 
happens in the book. And apparently, because I, I looked it up because I was curious, they, the man in the tuxedo was like the owner of the Overlook. Apparently oh. in the book, Jack goes through this, down this whole rabbit hole of trying to figure out who the owner was and trying to connect that to like his mind kind of falling apart. And apparently like the, the man in the tuxedo was the owner and the guy in the dog costume was because I, I guess the owner had like a, had a fall from grace and had something to do with the fact that he was like messing around on the side and I guess the dog character like the dog costume person was meant to like talk about him messing around on the side I don't really know again n- having not read the book I shouldn't dive deep into guessing about stuff but all that to say it was apparently mentioned in the book and it did have more relevance in the book hmm I definitely need to read the book. I feel like if I'm a true fan of this movie and want to understand the differences, which I do know, um, which I was going to get into this in a minute, but you know, it's famously noted that Stephen King absolutely hates this movie. He does not like it. Um, I had, I pulled up one thing that was interesting about it prior to that, but yeah, he doesn't like this movie. And I've been told that the book is different uh, from the movie. There's actually a bunch of notable differences and actually in a way, this is another plug for Dr. Sleep. But see Dr. Sleep because I've been told from the hardcore King fans that it it doesn't like do like a retcon thing where it's trying to like erase stuff that The Shining did, but it does stay more faithful to elements of the book rather than what Kubrick did. But it still does okay. a fine balancing act of pleasing both camps, which is really interesting. But, and it's um, not a jarring difference between the two where you're like the storyline doesn't line up. No, no, okay. no, because, because uh, it's, it's actually something I don't think that the director of Dr. Sleep, um, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? It's Mike something. Um, he doesn't get enough credit for it because like, yeah, he is still able to stay absolutely accurate to the events of The Shining without tarnishing what it did. Like it's still kind of interweave stuff that didn't happen in The Shining, but it's just done so respectfully to the original that like you wouldn't even you're not going to be like oh no that 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 doesn't connect it doesn't make sense like it all makes sense it's a fantastic movie i can't sing its praises enough um okay so i gotta talk about these conspiracy theories now i'm gonna list off a few but before i do is there anyone that you're like i either could kind of buy into this or you're just like that's kind of crazy Truthfully, there's none of them that I think really stand out to me because I think that they have so few legs to stand on, like legitimately. Um, I do remember hearing about the uh, it being symbolism for Native American genocide. Yeah. Not being a whole thing, but again, it's like, okay, so you had a thing of Calumet baking soda. It's a kitchen. <laughs> you have that in there. So that one, I, I'm not going to give a lot of credence to. Maybe something with like it being on a burial ground, but the yeah, only the, the, yeah, go the ahead. Adam. Burial ground line. Oh, it, it it just sounded like a hacky horror film yeah. to me, though. Like it didn't sound like they were actually going anywhere with that. It was much more just like we're going to throw this out <laughs> there just to maybe maybe explain some of the ghost stuff that was going on. But they, the never really, they never really went anywhere with that. So I, I think that one has a hard leg to stay in on. The, the only other thing I think you could say, like, if you were really looking for things on that one, is that there are Native American decorations in the hotel. Yeah. But I still would be hard-pressed to be like, oh, this is totally about the, the genocide of the Native Americans. Like, I... Mm. 
no I, I'm not I'm not saying it yeah yeah or like I've heard that they again with that same one is the the blood coming out of the elevator that that was like representative of all of the deaths and everything like that it's like maybe but it just doesn't have enough weight behind it for me to believe in it no so 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 this is the list that that I had come up with on the interwebs I did not come up with this myself um here's the most notable one so we got the Apollo 11 moon landing confession Kubrick confesses to shooting the moon landing we never went there it never happened guys Kubrick is a genius he had all that shit filmed I mean 2001 a space odyssey it came out right before the moon landing happened like he was he was filming it so Danny's shirt saying Apollo 11 and all that other shit it's just him trying to say that he did it so that's one there's genocide of the Native Americans. We already touched on that being baloney. Um, someone said apparently it's a Holocaust movie. Uh, I guess. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, another person said, which I guess I could bind to this one a little bit more just because it is such a kind of trippy movie. They talk about it being a CIA mind control experiment movie. Um, I don't know why the government would be like, let's recruit this family and just see what they're doing. I Maybe like they trip, they I don't know, spike the whole water supply with acid. I, I don't really so. know, um, <laughs> but they talk about that. Um, another one says that like the movie is just like a, a whole movie about sexual abuse and like the trauma I've that it causes, that. which I'm like, okay, like, you know, I could, I could buy into that one a little bit. And then there's this last one that I'm going to sound like a complete moron on because I'm not, um, not educated. Uh, so there's Greek, the Greek myth of Theseus and the Minotaur. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Do, you, yeah. do either of you know what that is? I know what a minotaur is. He's like, he's got the horns. <laughs> I know like that. Well, well, because the, the minotaur was in the labyrinth, right? Yeah. And then Theseus wasn't he? I was a big Percy Jackson kid. Divulge me for a minute. Um, no, it's okay. Cool. <laughs> they uh, didn't Theseus have there? There was a lady, and I think the lady was like a princess or something like that and he had to like defeat the minotaur to get the lady or something like that Maybe. but it, but it, it was the whole challenge of of defeating the both the labyrinth and like making it through the labyrinth to reach the minotaur and then defeating the minotaur as well i would love to get in a fight with the minotaur like i think you could take him why not it, it'd be it'd be amazing i mean like one like they're super cool creatures i think the first time i ever saw one you guys ever play the elder scrolls games you know those old games now? Am I? I'm, I'm a nerd. Adam, have you played this? Jesus, am I alone? I've I've never heard of those games. Oh cripes. Okay, well, Elder Scrolls. There's Elder Scrolls Four, Oblivion on Xbox 360. To I'm a, I I feel like anytime I talk about this thing, like I have to have like a lisp. You know, like I was playing the, the, the game. <laughs> like you know, I gotta like really tilt my glasses a lot because I, you know, don't like women and like to be in a basement. Um, but minotaurs were the first time uh i i saw minotaurs for the first time in that game and i thought they were pretty freaking cool um and i like i was jealous of their physique i mean like they work out a lot i think like what else you gonna do in a labyrinth i don't know i mean like they can only do so much i I feel like it's maybe it's it's kind of like prison they can't even get out of it they're it's like a maze so they're just like fuck it i'll just get all ripped and I don't know. Why am I fixated on minotaurs right now? Jordan, do you see yourself as getting a... If you went to prison, would you get prison ripped, do you think? I get prison ripped? Um, not really, but 
interestingly enough, I have thought about the hypothetical of what happens when I go to prison and I'm prepared. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens. And, I, and you know, we're going to detract from the shining for a moment here and we're going to get our prison facts straight here. Mm-hmm. So I've already thought about this in the event that I do a crime that lands me in jail. Well, what have we learned from the movies, folks? You got to kick somebody's ass the very first day so that they don't know that you're a bitch. There you go. We, we know this. So yeah. I got to find someone. My, my fantasy for this is, that, I don't know, fantasy is the wrong word. Uh, my, my, my thought for this is that I'm in line getting lunch on like my first day. Mm-hmm. And, and there's someone that's serving me tater tots. And I, I get like a bigger heap of tater tots. And like the prisoner behind me, he's not so happy about that. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like kind of like, I smell his fear. You know? Give your tots. Yeah, and so I take my 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 tray of tater tots and I bash them over the face and start like throwing tater tots at him and stuff. And so, anyways, I kick the the I kick the guy's ass, and then my nickname is is Tater Tot for for the rest of my duration in prison. So they're just like, "There's tots, man. You don't you don't mess with tots." And so, anyways, apparently in my prison scenario, I do get tough, or at the very least, like they think I'm crazy because I'm obsessed with tater tots and I beat the shit out of someone for for tater tots well you you probably get fat actually from eating all the tater tots that's true they have a lot of sodium mm. in the potatoes i think yeah dude but that's yeah. okay as long, yeah. as long as you have respect that's what really matters they call me tots in jail <laughs> yeah what about you guys let's, let's let's figure this out this is worth it i first ask what you would each go to jail for what what would be ah, your yeah. what what is your crime <clears throat> that lands you in prison this is like maximum security Oh, is this Mac? Yeah, I was gonna say this does seem like a max. This doesn't seem like a county jail kind of thing. It's like maximum security. Yeah, what lands you there? Uh, you remember? Uh, mm, I don't know. I, let me. I gotta think about that. Jordan, would you know? Well, given the fact that I thought all about my tater tot nickname and how I got it, of course I know. Um, I feel like it would be like doing something very reckless. It wouldn't be like out of my way danger, but like I took a car and like, I don't know, ran it through a crowd of pedestrians and you know, I didn't mean to, but like, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. That does sound pretty reckless when I'm like, I'm talking about running over people. That's, this is all a joke. I just want to say that. It's all for, a joke, guys. For legal reasons, this is I, a joke. No, I, I think what I was trying to say, I don't know why I pictured vehicular manslaughter, but I was thinking that like I drove my car like through like an area that it shouldn't be. I damaged a lot of property and like something like that. I mean, honestly, though, I mean, let's be real. There'd probably be somebody that would get clipped. I'm not happy about it, but that's that's why I'm in jail to reflect, yeah. to think, to, to be a I would probably go to jail for tax evasion. <laughs> You're just not going to pay your taxes. That's what's going to land you. That sounds like that sounds yeah, dude. Taxation is theft, Jordan. Taxation is theft. No, we, we can't get into politics though. We shouldn't get into politics. Sophia, you better watch this guy's tax return. Yeah, we, <laughs> gotta, we, gotta, we better watch out for that. Eyes on. Sophia, oh, what's so gonna funny. land you in what's gonna land you in the big house? After you mentioned Fast and Furious, it's been on my mind now. Yeah. I want it to be uh Grand Larceny. I steal a car, like a nice one. They catch me and I'm Tokyo drifting. I'm Vin Diesel. And they they catch me. I wasn't I wasn't fast. I wasn't furious enough. Do you say <laughs> that like on the record? Like be like officers, I'm sorry I wasn't fast or furious. Enough for you. I th- yeah, I want that to be my official statement. I want the news to pick that up and 
and run That'd that with cool. a clip. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys think about your mugshot as well? Like, I feel like that's got it. Like, you don't want to just be like, and like turn like, I don't know. Nobody has a sense of humor in those mugshots. Oh, did they tell you like not to? They like make you do that, don't they? I don't know. I'd find I'd find the way. I'd like I think I'd, I'd arch an eyebrow. The keys you gotta I'd... get a face tattoo beforehand. A face tattoo? Yeah. So then your mugshot's like you know you have a face you get, tattoo. Yeah, you gotta get tots just like tots. tattooed across your forehead because <laughs> <laughs> then they know you right away. I've I put that, like I was I was I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. <laughs> and instead of like the tears for like the people I've murdered, I could just put like little tater potatoes. Tots, <laughs> little potatoes right ahead of my eyes. Sprinkle of salt. Yeah. Uh, that's nice to think about. Yeah. And again, I just want to say for the record, I'm insecure now about the vehicular manslaughter thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Just want to, I don't. I, I, I pay my it. taxes, everyone. Yeah. Adam pays I've his taxes. I've never stolen a car. <laughs> he doesn't steal cars. I don't run over people. We are upstanding citizens in the community. Right? Yep. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now. We're going to start to wrap this Shining. up now. We, we've, yeah, we've been talking for a while. So I want to talk about the interesting film facts, you know, some of the really kind of behind the scenes, like kind of weird, crazy things that you hear about this movie that are documented. I got a list because I came prepared, but do either of you know anything about this movie that you're just like, this is really interesting? I think interesting is maybe not the right word, but the fact that this movie kind of, broke Shelley Duvall yes that's very well documented (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm sure that there was other things that were contributing factors I I don't think it's fair to say that one singular instance or one singular movie was entirely the catalyst but that this movie overall was definitely the thing that like centered down the path of where she is now which is unwell (laughs) yeah yeah, um, I've heard that definitely. I mean, she's been on the record several times talking about the excessive amount of takes, you know, just the overall environment. And also, I think like, shit, they took like a year or longer. I don't know how long they took the film. This day. It, It's definitely, I think, a year or more. And a that's time. a long time to, to film a movie like this. And I'm pretty sure like they were on like location like the whole time. And like they, like, I don't know if there were breaks. They got like a hiatus from it. I don't think so um i'm gonna is it okay if i rattle off the facts that i got i'm gonna gonna go ahead and do it so i didn't i I knew a few of these but i'll say which ones i knew and which ones i didn't know so i didn't know this one stephen king apparently wrote an original draft of the screenplay that stanley kubrick was he was aware of and he's like i don't care like he's like nope i I don't want his shit like so he just flat out ignored the author's treatment of the movie which probably doesn't help mr king in liking mr kubrick um i did not know this one as well is that jack nicholson actually helped write the scene where he kind of snaps at shelly or yeah shelly duvall for his writer's block he's just like i have to concentrate you know he's like slapping his head and he's just like when you come in here and you try to bring me food you bitch like you like he's 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 pretty nasty to her and like you're just like god damn man like that is no way to treat your wife um which i mean but like you can tell right from the beginning i mean like he probably beat her senseless like a long time ago along with danny because like she has like the very you know i mean you can tell that she's like hey honey like you're not gonna punch me today right (laughs) i'm scared i'm sorry i'm not i don't mean to like demean women it's awful it's awful what he did just being very clear about that but it's uh 
it's it's a it's a little humorous <laughs> but but yeah i didn't know that he he actually helped write that scene because he said that he could relate to it because he was going through a divorce recently like at the time of the filming and he's like yeah he's like i was in a place where like i was trying to work on a movie and i was trying to kind of like maintain my marriage and my relationship and it was just a lot and he's like i was kind of an asshole and like snapped at her a lot and was like really mad so he helped write some of the dialogue for that um kind of interesting good. I, I guess a good thing <laughs> i guess good in the way that you could get you could authentic. get some uh, yeah you could get authenticity but at the same time like i don't know don't put this poor woman <laughs> in the firing yeah. line of your issues <laughs> probably, probably not the healthiest thing but it's yeah it's, it's art it's raw <laughs> it's, it's real um I, I guess I saw that crew members repeatedly got lost in the hedge maze, which, and, and even Stanley Kubrick, he had to get like asked to get like let out of it. He didn't know how to get out. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. That's a nightmare. Cool. That is a nightmare <laughs> scenario. Um, I, I did know this one that the line here's Johnny was um, not in the script. It was improv from Nicholson that he actually took from an old line from the tonight show. So I mm-hmm. didn't know that. Um and then this one I knew, but I, I didn't know the entirety of it, is that in the book, it's called Room 217 with a scary naked grandma. And in the movie, they changed it to Room 237. And they did that because the Timberline Lodge in Oregon, where they where they shot the, the movie at, they were afraid that they're like, well, no one's going to want to stay in our in our room 217 uh if, if we if we keep it like that sorry can you change the room number so like pe- we can have guests like in this room because otherwise no one's gonna want to stay here um, yeah and my microphone I, just like went haywire for a second oops i've actually i've been to that lodge I, have you really me I, when the opening scene of the movie came on I, I told sophia i'm like that place looks really familiar i've definitely been there before and initially in my head i thought it was in glacier national park but I, I looked it up as we were doing this podcast. I want to bring it up at some point. But yeah, I've been to the Timberline Lodge, and what? It's, it's right. That's crazy. The Mount Hood. It's it's honestly a beautiful place. The I mean, they the inside of it isn't is very different than like what they yes. film in the movie, and there isn't a hedge maze there and everything like that. But so honestly, it's a beautiful place. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. I I didn't know I've been I like right when the movie started that before i've been there before what the hell is that so just a little tidbit of information i've been to the timberland dude, lodge dude that's so that's, cool that is amazing and i'm jealous because i would love to go there and lose my mind like dude, George, it, it is a goal there. it's what? beautiful there man it's right Mount hood is a beautiful place so. did you did you stay I, I there or did you just like drive by it like what did you do no we just there's a bunch of hiking trails by there so we like there's a parking lot it's like a visitor center kind of for hmm. mount hood it's like a visitor center, but I mean, it's really a hotel, but we got, I think we got like breakfast at the hotel or something like so that. So people still stay Honestly, there. I didn't even know. What? Do people still stay there? Like it's still open? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hotel. It's it's a very fancy hotel. Like you have to be pretty well off. So we, we didn't stay there, but, and also mm-hmm. I don't even know if my, I don't think my parents have seen The Shining. So I don't think any of us knew that The Shining was shot what? at that lodge specifically. I, I, I have to imagine that that hotel is also happy. They're probably like, we get a lot of business from this They movie. probably do, yeah. Well, you no, know that people, so. yeah, big paranormal people are into it. Absolutely. So two, I got two more facts. So this one is probably the most peculiarly weird one that I don't know if it's verified, but I think it's freaking weird, but it's cool. So Jack Nicholson 
apparently to help get himself into character two weeks prior to him filming the movie he is apparently on record as eating nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks straight because he hates cheese sandwiches he absolutely does not like it and so he's like it'll put me in a really shitty mood if i eat this for two weeks straight before the movie rolls and i'm like what but like i ridiculous like i gotta say though i respect it and i i don't know if this makes sense or if this is kind of reaching but like i definitely feel like in another life guys i could have been an actor because i like actors that do ballsy weird wacko things like that because i do think it does enhance the performance sometimes and i know it's kind of out there for some people but i'm like that's such a cool specific thing to do and like show your commitment to a role that you're willing to eat garbage for for that long if you think it's going to make you be a better performer because you care that much about the work i don't know i i like the passion it might be misguided with the cheese sandwich thing i don't know but but i like that kind of passion that actors put into their roles it's 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 weird does anyone else do you guys respect that I, re- I respect his commitment to it, but it does yeah. raise a question that I wanted to throw back to you. What's your take on method acting? Do you think that that's a worthy mm-hmm. way to be, to, to really embody your character? Or is that just an actor kind of being high on their own supply? That is an interesting question. Um, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag for me because I think there's some that do it better than others and there's some that kind of do it from more of that like i just want to be elitist and be like look what i did you know type of thing so that they can tell the media and be like i slept in a bed of rats for like you know i don't know like a week or i slept in the sewer because i was trying to get in touch with being homeless like i mean like some of it might get you there like you know maybe i don't know others it's like eh, you might be a bit of a pretentious ass I don't know. I kind of like the idea of doing a cheese sandwich thing as opposed to being like, I'm going to go stay in a cabin in the wilderness for six months by myself before the filming. Like that would be like really method. So I guess I don't really probably have a good answer for this other than that. I respect it when it's tried and done like committed, but when the person still has grace and, uh, they're self-aware enough to know that like they're doing it for the role and like, they're not like truly blind to uh, how other people might perceive it. Or they, they still treat their co-stars, I guess, with respect is what I'm trying to kind of get at. Cause if they're just doing it to be a showboating ass, I, I think that comes across, but if you're like a true autist, uh, say like a Daniel day Lewis, I mean, the guy played Lincoln and literally wasn't on a cell phone and lived in a cabin for a while. Like he did a lot of pretty out there shit for that movie. Um, but it's a hell of a performance. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I think mm-hmm. he actually is retired now. He like makes mm-hmm. shoes for a living, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, but I don't know. What are what are you guys' takes on that? Is it is it cool? Is it dumb? Does it help? I I agree with your take. Is that I think you can do it in a way that's not you having what seems like a legitimate outlet just to be a complete asshole. You know, because like especially what you're saying of it could harm co-workers I think of like Jim Carrey in his uh mm. what's his name the man on the moon Andy Kaufman that's what it was yeah that he was just he was awful to yes. everybody on set and people did you were watch like, that yeah. documentary yeah and everyone's yes. like Jim sucked he sucked <laughs> big time the entire time or like uh Jared Leto on Suicide Squad that he sent yep. like dead animals to Margot Robbie that's ridiculous don't you're harming other people 
and at the end of the day you were in suicide squad so you Wait, really didn't he, end he up, did up for suicide squad yeah he, he was like i'm the joker oh, God, <laughs> that's like at the end of the day that that doesn't mean anything and just makes you look terrible the but- the, the one method uh, acting thing i'll comment on jared leto that i do respect um is what he did for blade runner 2049 in that he if you've seen the movie he's a blind man in the movie but he weared contacts that purposely blinded him he, he literally could not see for the movie and like even when like people ask they're like how is it like acting with harrison Ford?" he's like well he's like i talked to him but i never saw him and i'm like okay but for that like it makes sense like you're trying yeah. to really inhabit a person that can't see that is probably going to help the performance if you literally can't see so yeah, jamie fox and ray kind of the same thing yeah oh my god he's so good in ray really good movie it's, it's crazy i wish i could like if i try to do the ray charles face like when he's playing piano like all strung out on heroin it's gonna be offensive <laughs> if i do it but um yeah brilliant when jamie fox does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i think there's a very fine line with it it's borrows my stance yeah i think there's a fine line and what i would say the last thought i would say on that is that filmmaking like to me like the people that are the true artists about it the people that really respect the process and the craft they all understand that it's a collaborative art form i don't care if you're the best actor in the world if you don't have the right crew and the right people around you and the right team your performance doesn't mean shit like and i think that best actors that i respect anyway or or actresses i I hate actually saying actors and actresses like and and, you know female is an actor like it's the same thing um they respect that that craft and they respect that it's a collaborative process it is not a one-man show i don't care how big of a performance they're giving you have to respect the people around you um and yeah if you don't do that then then yeah you you might be a might do a great movie here and there but i i don't think that their career will last ultimately because they'll get the reputation of you're an ass and then before you know it you're going to be in a movie with bruce willis and you'll film it in a day and you'll just be like you know straight to the bargain bin i guess maybe or maybe maybe they'll just be like wow he's such a dick but he's so he's so interesting yeah yeah you get elevated about that very last very last thing and then we're going to finally wrap this up because we've been talking a long time um the other thing i saw it's the most interesting that bloody elevator sequence took a year it took the entire year to film it because apparently from what i read kubrick and his notorious ways of his perfectionism and whatnot they would do it and then it would take so damn long to clean it up and and do the whole thing because they did it practically that they would have to like reset it constantly and because of the time it took between all the cleanups and whatnot they they just took the entire year to get the shot just right and i think there's more like technical stuff to it but i'm like damn that's honestly it's worth it though that's like that's it's one of the most memorable parts of the movie i think I, I would say it's one of my favorite parts it's just like it's definitely it's not cg at all it's, it's just beautiful <laughs> like and creepy at the same time of like just watching all this blood fill the fucking room you're like oh my gosh dude would you try to get like, on the elevator adam like after uh, like it spells the blood you're just like well it's here i don't want to i don't want to go up the stairs yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. The, these things happen all, all the time you know it's just, just like yeah, whatever is it animal blood i don't know I, I do like how like uh I think I guess like the Simpsons they made a joke of it once they're just like the blood usually gets off on the second floor <laughs> or <laughs> something like that it's it's always funny how they parried it over over the years yeah okay we've been talking a long time final thoughts 
on The Shining. What do you got? I, for me personally, I think I need to watch it again at some point. I'm going to give it a little while, but I'm probably going to watch it again because I, I honestly, I didn't fully understand it. And like the fact that you guys are talking about all this stuff now, like it makes me think about it a lot more. So I'm glad we are talking about this. But like, if I just saw this movie and I didn't know any of these things beforehand, I would be completely confused. I wouldn't really know what was going on. So I understand like, I was looking up and this movie had like pretty mixed reviews when it came out. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of things that just don't really add up unless you know maybe the background of it or what's actually going on. So I do want to watch this movie again at some point. And I, I do think it is good. I would recommend it to people if they haven't. If, if you somehow haven't seen this movie like I have. Did it scare it's you? A good movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a very, it, it, kept, it kept me on the edge of my seat. I mean, scare is a hard word to say. Yeah, but it is very thrilling, and I am very like, oh my gosh, I can't this stop it, stop it, guys, kind of thing. So, I would say, don't for if people hadn't seen this movie and they've heard all about the lore, they know about like the aura of The Shining. Don't let like the mystique of the movie or like potentially being scared like detract you from seeing it because I, I I think that everyone should see this shining at least once but I've definitely talked to people who are like oh I don't like scary movies I don't I won't watch it but it's like it's just, you should still do it like this this is the kind of movie that I think has the cultural relevance that everyone should see it I think it has so many more levels beyond just being a horror movie that everyone should see it um there's there's just a lot more to this movie than it just being a scary movie Plus, I think it's more off-putting than actually scary, too. Like, there are scary parts to it, for sure. But, like, much more of it is just, like, you're just very uncomfortable. Yes. I I think much more easy to digest sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, if I would call this movie anything outside of, you know, scary or shocking or any of those words, it's unnerving. This is a movie that messes with your senses and ultimately kind of makes you, like Adam says, it's gonna make you uncomfortable probably in a few scenes um but but i but i like that i mean i i I actually talk about that sometimes in in earlier podcast episodes that not every movie out there is meant to entertain you quote unquote um i think i i sometimes hate that word when they're just like it's the entertainment industry i'm like "Mm," like yeah like for you know like the avengers or you know some like you know popcorn movie sure but I do think this is a movie that can appeal to a lot of different audiences. And Adam is mustache twirling. What's going what's going on there, buddy? Sorry, man. No, it's okay. I, I'm, <laughs> I I'm curious. No, I just I, I have a mustache growing now, so I'm just like, you know, it's Dude. fun to play with. I, I don't think about it most of the time. Do you remember when like, I had a mustache for like a week? Yeah, Jordan, you need to get a mustache again, man. Do you want me to do you know, I, I I could shave. I could do it again. You've already shaved your head. Because apparently, I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast already, but the the barber kind of went crazy with it. Yeah, they they did a um, if you could insert the bleep on the boop, my shit haircut. Um, don't bleep the shit part, though. Of course. Yeah, don't bleep that. I mean, that's, <laughs> I think I've already said f in this. I've, why am I acting all PG on this? It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I've sworn quite a bit. Yeah, it, the audience can't see this, but yes, recently yeah. I had a haircut incident that went wrong and my beautiful hair is gone so now i look like i'm 10 and i have like a buzz cut and it's that's not great but 
What are you going to do? What you I think do? you're hot, Jordan. Adam, I've been holding it off on this whole episode. I don't care that Sophia's here. You and me, like, let's go. Like, I'm in, dude. Let's have a kid together. Dude, <laughs> we, we can do anything. It's 2021. Yeah, all dude. possibilities. It's all on the table. It's all, it's all on the table. And Sophia will be understanding. Like, she's a progressive person. She's yeah. going she's gonna to get this. Yeah. You guys could be the bear and uh, the bear dog thing and the guy in the tuxedo. It could be love you. is love. Dude, I will fully... <laughs> I believe in science. I believe in science. I was just about to say more, but I'm like, nah, this is already getting weird enough. Um, okay. I don't have anything else to say uh, about The Shining, but I, I think we've got a lot covered on this episode. I think, it's, I think we talked about a lot. So... Mm-hmm um Sophia and Adam thank you both for coming on I, I really do appreciate it I thought this was good I thought this was good for uh you know three people being on I've never done it with two other people at the same time but I thought it was nice that was nice this was super fun I really enjoyed this I was gonna Thanks say for having us, you're, you're both welcome to come back I, I love that you can do these virtually now too I mean that's that's amazing about podcasting right now um but yeah tell your friends screen speak follow it it's great we talk about the shining and man bear pigs and uh apparently how we go to jail how we what 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 did you say adam i said it's lit it's lit it's lit is that still a cool thing to people like i feel like that like didn't that like go out of popularity do people still say that like that's lit travis scott still says it who's travis scott see that's what i'm saying like i don't (laughs) I don't know. Jordan, Jordan is 30. Let's remember this. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Really? Is he, wait, no, I, yeah, I, I mean, I am 30, but uh, hang on. Oh. I think I know Travis Scott. Isn't he a rapper? Yes. He, is. <laughs> he does. No, he does a song with The Weeknd, and it's in the Uncut Gems movie trailer. That's the only reason I know him. Oh, it's okay. Pray, Pray for Love. That's the song. Okay. Pray for so, Love, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. I, could do, I could do a really bad version of the song right now, but but I will not. I will refrain because okay. it would be embarrassing. Um, okay, nice what about episode. Travis Scott, though? So I'm, I'm sorry. I oh, gotta... he just says it's lit. <laughs> it's it, 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 We're it's drawing lit. this out so long. Yeah, we're definitely drawing this out. The app is like, guys, anyone it's listening? Scrap it, dude. Scrap the whole thing. Point, just like, shut I know it you off. don't want to edit, but you can edit this. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I,